And as a young individual, especially as a young black male, you know, you have this negative interaction knowing that all you were doing was just riding your bicycle, you know. Uh, but I didn't take it to the point where I said, you know, forget the police. You know, there's another word for that, you know, but I ain't going to say it. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What's happening, Square Pegs? Welcome, welcome to another scorching hot edition of the Black and Blue Podcast. And this is where we celebrate diversity with U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale, and I'm the host. Thank you one and all for tuning in. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you click those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. It really helps me and the show immensely. And if you're listening to me on your favorite podcast platform, please, Rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And lastly, but certainly not least, head on over to any of my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so with that said, let's bring on today's guest of honor. He is the chief of police of one of our great U.S. cities. Everybody, please help me welcome to the show, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Police Chief Jeffrey Norman. How you doing, sir? Hanging in there, Dale. Feeling blessed, brother. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the invitation. All right. So how are things going on out there today in uh, Milwaukee? Well, I know it's not as sunshiny as uh, California, but uh, we definitely <laughs> got a little sunshine here in the uh, almost start of uh, spring. But uh, it's been, uh, you know, up and down with the weather here, but. I can't complain whenever I see the sun outside. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's March and rolling into uh, April here pretty soon. So, yes, things are looking up. Things are looking up. So I appreciate uh, you know you coming on uh, amidst amidst all the the springtime uh, fiascos going on. I know we got yeah. basketball coming. Basketball coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and baseball's coming. And uh, yes, sir. You know, I mean. Yeah, basketball's coming to an end here. And then football, you, know, you guys are right, right. Your, your Green Bay boys just re signed Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money, a lot of money. I wish I was in his shoes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the news just came out today. Deshaun Watson's going to Cleveland and yeah, for the yeah. richest contract. So yeah, a lot, lot, lot of things going on. What are we on. doing wrong, Dale? What's going I on? Know. <laughs> we're not, we're not playing, we're not playing sports, but hey, we're doing a good thing hey. here. So. Oh, absolutely. Good, absolutely. Yeah. Paid in dividends uh, in regards to the work we're doing for our communities. Yes, absolutely. So the last time I spoke to you, you were the interim uh, police chief when you were on the live uh, a few yes, few sir. months ago. And then now that title has changed. Uh, tell everybody about, uh, you know, your, your position now as the, the full uh, time chief police, chief of police. So the back to the last time we were here, I know that uh, we had a number of different uh, guests in your show. I was at the uh, interim position. 
uh, back in November of last year, uh, I was voted in unanimously by, we have a civilian governing board, the Fire and Police Commission. And so they had, uh, you know, had a process, you know, made an uh, interview of uh, three different uh, uh, town halls with the uh, interview with them. And uh, basically they liked what the uh, work was being produced here out of uh, the executive team and uh, thought that uh, being at the helm was the most important factor for the team. So I was uh, blessed with a four-year term. All right. Congratulations on that. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been with Milwaukee? 26 years. So All actually, right. uh, as of April 8th of uh, 2022, it'll be 26 full years. So you came up through the whole rank, the whole rank structure from patrol all the way up, huh? Yes, sir. I always like to say I came from the mailroom, now I'm in the boardroom. But I uh, <laughs> served in the uh, patrol side, had uh, done a number of different assignments, worked all over the city, playing clothes within the uh, communication division, several different districts. Been promoted to detective, worked in all assignments, robberies, homicide, violent crimes, you name it. And there, getting to the uh, lieutenant rank and uh, was a uh, supervisor within the uh, investigation for homicide. Uh, promotes a captain, assistant chief, and now chief. So definitely have a number of different experiences, but that gives that foundational credibility when you are uh, approaching the team in regards to saying that I've been there, done that, uh, you know, got a good understanding of it, but uh, always open for any suggestions or how to better because it's not about me or about, uh, it's about we. Yes, absolutely. So tell everybody who, who you know, at the beginning I did say, you know, one of our great U.S. cities, but maybe not everybody you know, listening, hopefully across the globe here, knows about Milwaukee. Tell everybody a little bit about Milwaukee, the demographics, the, the size and all that. Absolutely. So, one, I'm born and raised in Milwaukee, lived there all my life. We were about 96 square miles of the city. Uh, right now we are a little bit almost about 580,000 in regards to residents. Uh, the makeup is uh, almost... Um, 50-50 between uh, Caucasian, African-American. I know that we have, um, you know, a good Latino population also, uh, I believe around like 20-30% uh, um, Latino. Um, and then we have other, you know, indigenous populations. Uh, but uh, we are now considered uh, within recently a uh, majority black and brown city. I don't like to use the word minority too much. Uh, maybe slip it up in the vocabulary, but you know, for the most part, uh, you know, we gotta you know recalibrate our mindset in regards to how we refer to ourselves and refer to our uh, population. Uh, but we are considered the city on the lake. We are about hour and a half north of Chicago, so that gives people a point of reference. A lot of festivities. I mean, the summertime is really you know just a, a, a vibrant city. Uh, one of the things that put us on the map recently, you know, the 2021 uh, basketball championship, uh, the Bucks. So we had a, a great uh, celebration time, which is really important because it ties public safety. If anybody recalls that, uh, you know, um, championship conference run, we had the largest outdoor watch party that uh, I believe ever been recorded yeah. in regards to over 100,000 people. And, uh, you know, the Market Police Department rose to the occasion. Uh, you didn't hear any particular type of disturbances, you know, rioting, you know, just really was about, you know, support the Bucks, supporting, you know, the uh, game in regards to, you know, those who had came to visit to watch it and everyone had a great time. So we have a lot of great things going on. I know sometimes people from back in the day who remember the uh, Laverne and Shirley of Milwaukee, that's 
nothing more I give today. You know, that might date yeah. myself a little bit, but, you know, definitely I have a, uh, again, a passion for our community. Have we have our challenges? Absolutely. Are we continuing to have challenges? Absolutely. But I always challenge Dale, anyone to say, find me a large major city. We're not having the challenges, especially coming out of, you know, the uh, post Floyd uh, 2020 pandemic. A lot of things that, uh, you know, really put strain on a lot of our communities. But uh, we are really, you know, shoulder and shoulder together to work in this uh, work that needs to be done for our communities. And I'm very proud of it. So. Absolutely. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. How large is the uh, department? The department is around, we're authorized now about 1660. Uh, right now we deal with attrition. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, around like a little bit over 1600. We're going through a, um, a hiring process. We have about around yeah, between six to 700 civilian. I always like to tell people our civilian and our sworn are one to me. Uh, they're all members of this department. Uh, we definitely have some challenges in regards to our attrition. We're going through some large retirements and some resignations because, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that because there's so many opportunities in the profession, we being a one, we have the largest department in the uh, state of Wisconsin. A lot of the smaller departments are uh, recruiting from us, which, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, if there's grass is greener somewhere else, you got to sit there and just let people go and let them get their, you know, shine, so to speak. But uh, we're going through a, uh, a hiring process right now. About 195 is what we're slated for for this uh, year. So we're definitely dealing with, you know, the pinch of every other department in regards to people who uh, always say this, earn the retirement. Can't be mad. You know, when you go through the challenges of what we go through for our, our public profession, I tell people when you had the pandemic in full blown, we had no Zoom. You know, there was no, you know, Microsoft mm -hmm. Teams. You had to go to work. And when we have that type of a commitment, it does take a toll in your body, body and mind. So I'm very proud when any of our members walk out the door with their own two feet, who are able to, uh, you know, take uh, their uh, hard earned time to, uh, you know, either regroup or go on to the next uh, phase in their life. So, but, yeah. uh, you know, definitely who we're, we're left with, we're still working hard together and, you know, working through a lot of these transition changes, but uh, we are, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. People, people don't seem to understand that aren't in the profession that, uh, you know, all the lumps and, and things that we take, you know, internally as far and externally, you know, in our bodies and our, our mental health, uh, our well-being as well, that uh, since we can retire such as a young age, I know in California, well, at least, you know, I was grandfathered under the, uh, the 50 eligible to retire 50. Now the newer people can have to retire 57, but you know, the general public, that's even young for them, you know, for 65. Yes, I don't know what it is in Wisconsin. So yeah. It's, it's 25 and now under my old grandfather, but now it's like, uh, I think 52 formula with a number of years in a job. It's still like you just said, Dale, it's still younger than what the, you know, uh, our, our private, uh, life uh, comparison is, but you hit it around the head, you know, um, Monday through Friday, I mean, Monday through Friday, Sunday through Saturday, you know, 24 seven operation holidays, you know, I worked 19 years late shift, you know, so I was working at midnight shift that takes a toll, the circadian rhythm, you supposed to get sleep at night, we're up, yeah. you know, not only you were up, but you're out there, you know, doing the work that uh, the noble people that's in this profession do in regards to those who want to prey on others or, you know, want to, 
you know, uh, um, bring violence or, or do the things that, uh, you know, we as guardians step up to, you know, protect our communities. But uh, yeah, wellness is real. You know, I, my uh, office is on the eighth floor in my uh, building. I walk the stairs every day, brother. You know, okay. understand that you got to keep yourself, you know, um, active, moving. You know, I'm a desk jockey. You know, I, I, <laughs> I sit behind a desk. So if you're not intentional, Every morning, five o'clock in the morning, I work out because I say at the end of the day, as much as you put into this profession, you should get right back out in regards to retirement. No one should be you know, passing away within a year after retiring. You know, we need to take care of ourselves. You know, that's a blessing to have your health. That's the most you know, precious commodity that we can possess. So I really make it a big thing about, you know, wellness in our, in our de department, have a robust wellness team, but you got to embody it to actually express it to your people that this is what you desire them to do. You got to show people like, Chief, you're walking up to your, uh, to your, to your office. Like, yes, I am every day, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. So that's the, you know, you know, keep yeah. it real. Yeah. We got to beat those actuary tables where, you know, they expect us to, to, to pass away within a year or two of, of retirement. Oh, yes. uh, even at oh, that, yes. even at that early fifties age, you know, and not yes. be able to pay out on those long-term yes. uh, retirements. Yes. So. Well, if you're not taking care of yourself, I mean, the actuary tables are against us. Why people understand why our you know eligibility to retire is so young because we weren't living long enough. I know we are our longevity has been extended because we're now starting to understand that we have to do more than just talk about about taking care of yourself, having programs, whether it's you know healthy rewards or again the wellness team that checks in on your head. Because no matter if you are healthy in regards to the yeah. physical, if your head ain't right. If, you're, right. if your spirit's not right, okay, so you got some strong arms. But it's almost like the core in regards to, you know, you can have strong arms, but your core's not right. You're going to have injuries. That's the same right. thing that we're learning, especially in regards to our West Coast counterparts, because you know you guys are all at the forefront in regards to mindful meditation and wellness. And maybe it's all that, you know, California sun, but that, that yoga and <laughs> We had to learn that, unfortunately, our Midwest side of understanding. Yeah, yeah, but I'll tell you, I have box breathing. I have it up on my, uh, I almost want to turn the uh, camera to show you, but I have box breathing on my uh, um, board that when everything's getting a little kind of hectic, because it does still get a little hectic in the Chiefs mm -hmm. position, slow it down, breathe four seconds, yes. at least four seconds. I mean, that stuff is real. That stuff is real. It's not just a joke or some mucky, muck, mushy, mushy stuff. This is longevity. This is about your health. This is about making sure you come to the best version of yourself, to the profession, but also to your family and loved ones. Yes. Cut it out. Yes. It's not just about That's the profession. Part. It's about who loves you most, which is those like my, you know, my spouse, my kids. They're depending on daddy to be there for them. So. All right. And speaking of which, uh, so you are. Uh, a spouse, you're a husband, you're a dad. Yes. What, uh, what, what, uh, how many kids you got? Two. I always like this kind of saying, I know my uh, wife's like, don't say that. I have a six year old going on three, and I have a 13 year old going on 25. You know, uh -oh. I love my son. My son is the <laughs> yeah. oldest one. He just did a uh, speech for president the other day uh, with Private Jack and Jill of America. I almost had tears in my eyes, brother. You know, the way that he presented himself, the public speaking, the death and breadth of it. And people look best. I didn't write that. That was all on him. So in regards to our children, you know, my daughter, she's a little ballerina. She's a you know, beautiful young lady, but also it comes to be blessed by, you know, I have 20 years of marriage to so a beautiful, you know, wife who's also born and raised from Milwaukee. 
So it's really is a blessing, my man, to be able to have a home life that allows me to be the best version of myself in my professional life. And that's what yes. people need to realize. You've got to have your home life right. You cannot deal with some of the challenges of our communities, the emergencies, the, the, the crisis. When your own life is in crisis, you need to take care of your home and get what you need right in regards to that. You need to be able to come to work the best version of yourself so that you're helping someone in a better mind state than all the you know stuff that got you know the challenges coming from your from your home life. So I'm blessed. It's not easy. It's not perfect by no means, but uh, it's intentional in regards to how our lifestyle is. And you know, my wife and I have been together for 25 years, and she's you know loving my life. So I'm very proud to be able to be in this position where I'm supported at home and also at work. Indeed, indeed. So uh, born and raised in Milwaukee, what, what, what was your journey uh, growing up into this professional law enforcement? Well, I lied to you if I said it was easy, Dale. You know, I just did an interview this morning and uh, I said I had good experiences to please and also bad experiences to please. But the yeah. thing that I always say this, though, is I never paint any situation with a broad brush. My first experience with law enforcement was positive. You know, officer comes to class, shows himself to, you know, um, in a nice uniform and you know engaging and talk about the you know the, the the challenges of the job but it was inspiring to me and also something that says i want to be like him but don't get me wrong i had situations growing up where you know i'm riding my bicycle through certain affluent communities and i get stopped where they check my bike to make sure it's stolen you know all type of uh, violations of real suspicion and you know stopping frisk whatnot and as a young individual especially as a young black male you know, you have this negative interaction knowing that all you were doing was just riding your bicycle, you know. Yep. Uh, but I didn't take it to the point where I said, you know, forget the police. You know, there's another word for that, you know, but I ain't going to say it. But you sit there and I look at family show, chief. Family show, chief. Right, I know. <laughs> you want to make sure that you talk about the person and the situation, not the profession. And so it really was a uh, good thing to be able to have more positive experiences with the police growing up than bad. But I had my share of, you know, being disrespected or having someone, you know, come what you want to say left side where you have to sit there and, you know, take that and say, I'm not going to be like that. You know, even throughout my time on in the profession, there's I had bad bosses I work for. I had bad people who I work with. And I always made sure not only did I speak up when the time was right, because you have to call a situation out, not disrespectfully, but professionally in regards to that wasn't right, but also to say that bad example of leadership would not be me. And shame on me to carry that baton that was given to me from somebody else who had that bad experience. I dropped that baton. I don't want right. that baton. You know, I believe in servant leadership. I believe in giving the best to my people to make them as best as they can in regards to the resources and, 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 the, and the training and the guidance and the coaching and the developing. It's not about beating people down or making them feel like, you know, it's a blessing for them to be in your presence. It's about shouldering, you know, some of the burdens with them and being able to give them resources so they're able to come to work with the best version of themselves and that transposes to the best version of themselves to our community. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, you know, having those, those experiences growing up, uh, negative and positive, 
what still kind of steered you towards law enforcement as opposed to say, you know, medicine or, or, or being a lawyer or, or a mechanic or a teacher or what have you, had you always had that calling for public service or what was that story there? Yes. And I say that all the time when I do a lot of public speaking, you know, uh, answer that call to you in your soul. Uh, a lot of people tell you what you're good at, but you know what you're good at, you know, Oh, you're smart. You know, I was told I should become an accountant, but I said, I don't want to be an accountant. You know, uh, the aspect of policing, of being there in the community, uh, always been an active guy, always been an outgoing guy, um, and doing community work speaks for me. And like a lot, I do like, you know, having a little bit of authority. I mean, you can't just say that, you know, police is all about, you know, that you're going to be engaged in the community. But I do know how to stand up when it's time to stand up and speak and be noticed. So all those factors played in my choice of, you know, the profession. But, you know, just to keep it real with you, Dale, though, I also want to become a lawyer. So I got my law degree. You know, okay. I also wanted to do, uh, you know, uh, judicial. So I was a uh, commissioner for a, a court, uh, uh, one of our uh, judicial uh, courts uh, here. So, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, and it's I know kind of corny, but you can be what you want to be. You know, right. as long as you sit there, put your mind to it, as long as you get the right mentors, because too often people think you got to do something alone. There's people out there willing to share their story with you, but they're not going to go looking for you. You got to find them. And I've never been afraid to go up to someone and speak and say, how did you do that? How did you get there? And you'd be surprised the answer that people give you. They always say to be successful without successor is a failure. And they ain't nothing. They ain't my own quote. That's something that's just brought down to me. Successful people like to share with people who are hungry, who are humble, and who are willing to learn and understand that, you know, they need to be able to be an acolyte to someone who's willing to be able to say, hey, I didn't make it on my own and here you can't, You here you go. Right. Now, I ain't gonna say it's easy. You know, nothing worth it in our life is easy. But I tell you, there is a lot of examples of those, you know, hard work and grit and, you know, putting forth the effort, doing your research. There's always somebody willing to share, but, uh, you know, you gotta understand that failure is gonna be part of the process. You're gonna fall down at times. I mean, mm -hmm. look at me, I was in the interim for almost a year, but through, being, you know, determined. Uh, I knew my, you know, credentials. I knew the connections, but, uh, you know, definitely you, you know, sometimes it is a marathon, not a sprint. You got to be able to believe in yourself and, and, and own it and understand that basically you have to believe that you deserve it. Not somebody got to tell you you deserve it. Right, right. But, uh, you know, being a smart guy and being the interim of a, you know, of a large police department, I'm sure you had some feelers out from, from other agencies as well, correct? And that's really what started pushing my interim process even quicker because at yeah. some point I was saying, listen, I'm not going to be a bridesmaid. Um, again, I talk about the intentionality of my, my process. Uh, people say, oh, you just fell into the police chief. I said, nah, you didn't look at my resume because everything that you see on my resume led up to this point. Now, I wanted to be here. I wanted to be in Milwaukee. I mean, my whole resume speaks about being born, but I also understood if I am not your choice, I'm going to be somebody else's choice. And at one point during this process, I was getting recruited by a number of different agencies. It's not easy finding someone who wants to be in these leadership roles, especially who can bring credentials to the table. So it got a little ugly over the summer where I ain't gonna lie, brother, I was stressed out because mm -hmm. it was a tell of two cities in my body where it's nice to be wanted and see that there's other agencies. I mean, like literally wooing me 
but there is a connection saying, but I want to be here. And there was that, you know, once that decision started to come to fruition, it seemed like it was about to play out well for Milwaukee. It was like a, a, a huge lift off my spirit. You know, my stomach was hurting for about a month because it was almost like, you know, is this right? Am I going to take the opportunity uh, somewhere else? And, uh, and, and I would have put my work in all wherever I did choose, but I just wanted to make sure it was the, for the right reasons. Too often we try to get in these positions. I'm going to make money in it. Do it for the right reasons. Does the, right the reason. work speak to you? Do you feel there's some type of challenge that you can rise to, or is it just for the you know extra check or for the you know accolades or somebody saying, "Hey, chief, that's a wrong reason to get into this." Because at the end of the day, this is a challenging position, especially post Floyd era, especially post 2020 era of the uh, pandemic. This is not for the light of heart. You got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in your vision. You got to encourage. You got to inspire. You got to develop. But you also got to be ready to be replaced and understand that you're not the only game. That, you know, you have to be prepared that at some point, if you're not building that transition, if you don't have somebody lined up, then you really have not done justice to the position. For real, for real. So knowing that, uh, you know, you've got all these different agencies wooing you, do you kind of pay that back to, you know, you were talking about mentorship earlier, uh, pay that back towards, you know, people behind you kind of getting them ready for leadership positions as well? Dale, I'm intentional about it. I'm so intentional. So I have retreats for my executive team and for my command staff where I, you know, always, you know, it's kind of funny. My late, latest retreat, one of my uh, uh, captains came up to me and said, I was waiting for you to pass on a book for me to read because I believe in development. And what I read, I believe in it. I'm going to pass it on to my team. I also believe in capturing the leadership of, uh, of our partners around us. You know, we have a lot of, you know, you know, uh, uh, Fortune 500 companies are in our area. So, I, I, like I said, I don't wait for people to call on me. I'm knocking on your door saying, hey, we're here. We'd like to use a, uh, you know, your time to be able to build ourselves up because you're a successful company. So most recently, we just had a partnership with Northwestern Mutual Life. I mean, a multi-billion dollar company that they brought their team in and gave us tips about success and what it means to be team. So I'm passionate about development. I'm, pas I'm not afraid to train on my successor. I'm not afraid to pass on the information I have for my replacement. If anything, then it means that I've done something right in regards to that this is not going to be a one-hit wonder, that we're going to have continuity and leadership. We have to be intentional and not afraid to share what we get. Somebody shared it to me. Yeah. So who am yeah. I to sit there and act like I got the, you know, I use these quotes. These are the number of quotes I read from somebody or took off of, off of, a, of a poster. So yeah. it's important to have a passion and to show your team that you want to have intentionality of developing coaching. My door is open. I'm always willing to share and talk. I'm when we have meetings, we're talking about a team. I said, this is a safe place. We're here to take everybody's input in. I'm not the smartest dude in the room and please do not act like it. And I'm not going to be happy with you. If you try to go small on me, anybody yeah. want to get quiet, I'm calling on you because I want to mm -hmm. hear what's in your head because I want to know if I'm about to go off a cliff. I want to know right. if I'm going on the wrong road. And they've helped me, guide me when I was going the wrong way. But I had to be humble enough to ask for that input, to understand yes. that we will be 
a, a unit where we rise and fall off our collective actions. Yeah. You know, bringing this back to sports, you know, they say some of the, uh, the more successful coaches are the ones that surround themselves with smart, other smart assistants as well. Um, you know, some of the ones that are not as successful are, are kind of afraid of, you know, someone kind of taking their job. So they don't, they don't hire assistants. They're, they're real big uh, minds in the, in the sport. So yeah, you, you got to surround you yourself have with humility. good people. You know, when you say servant leadership, servant leadership takes on a couple of qualities that it's always funny. People like to use catchphrases. Oh, I believe in servant leadership. Really? What does that mean? You know, servant leadership talks about foresight, talks about being able to see things before others where you can say, I can see you in this position. I see that you are bringing yourself to a level of excellence that I want to encourage, develop and bring the best out of you. But it's also about humility. And don't get me wrong, I talk a good game right now. I'm very, you know, uh, uh, communicative, but I can settle down, listen. I'm reflective. We just had talking about wellness. I use my five o'clock in the morning workouts to reflect on yesterday's activities. And there's times I've come back to the team and apologize. And one time I said, they said, you know, I made a decision without hearing your voice. And my executive command staff, I have my assistant chiefs in there. I have my inspectors in there, my chief of staff in there. I said, each and every one of you have an important voice in this room. And how dare I make a decision without hearing your thoughts. And best believe, when I did that for that one particular situation, again, that was one of those moments that helped me avoid going over a cliff. So it really truly is important to slow it down and be embrace somebody who brings their talents to the table. You know, just like you talk about a team, don't try and be a center. Don't try to be a guard. Don't try to be a four. If that is your role, if you're, you know, small guard, or if you, you know, power four, play your role, but understand the greater good of how you contribute to the team. You see my emails. I talk to my team. I say, we, us, go team. You got to believe it, embody it, but also you have to walk that walk that you're talking. Yeah, absolutely. And earlier you were mentioning about, you know, some of the challenges that we faced in law enforcement the past couple of years with, uh, you know, COVID and also George Floyd. How, how do those yeah. two, how do those two things affect your agency and, and your city in particular? So we had our fair share of civil unrest with the George Floyd, but I tell you what, Dale, when we don't acknowledge some of the things that we should be honest about, we're not being forthright in our communication it gets people angry and rightfully so we have to own when we do things that are not of the profession or what's good for our community accountability cannot be one way in regards to us being uh the 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 conduit of accountability for our respective governments we have to also hold ourselves accountable and i've said that from day one coming as an intern that's how i am as a permanent chief i hold my people accountable just as well as i hold anyone else accountable and so when we talk about the post-George Floyd era, I hope it was a watershed moment for many agencies who wants to always circle a wagon in regards to their bad behavior and try to keep it in-house and, you know, try to, you know, there is a transparency <laughs> aspect that gives legitimacy to your organization. And I'm not afraid about that. I've never been. But the thing is, I always tell people, I have a wife who loves me and kids who know me, you know, I'm good at home. And at the end of the day, if it, angers you about holding someone accountable, especially for things that should never have taken place within your agency, don't be mad at me, be mad at yourself. Or be mad right. at the other person who's making it hard for that organization. So as a post-George uh, George Floyd uh, uh, era, 
I hope that more and more of our agencies are stepping up to the plate, being that type of leader that our community expects us and not be afraid about it or apologetic about it. I tell people all the time, if I'm going to hold you accountable, I'm looking at you in the eye. Mm. Hey, mm. You did it. I didn't do it. You know, when it comes on my plate, I'm going to take care of it. I don't walk away from it. And I tell my right. team that. I tell us that we need to be that type of leadership that we own when we do uh, wrong. Just as well, we want to tell the world when we do right, we got to own when we do wrong. But also for the post-COVID-19, it really, I want to say, the straw that broke the camel's back and a way of life. Seeing the kids and the kind of stuff that's going on within our respective communities, seeing the type of frustration, even right now, we're still seeing it. It took us, you know, seconds to really go from, you know, a robust society to almost a shutdown where it was like, you know, people were, you know, shut up from each other. And it really took a toll on our mental health. It took a toll on our way of life that we're still mm -hmm. not back into what we can call a normal place, if ever going to be a normal place. But it should be a reminder how connected we are, how much work we have to do in regards to working for our entire community. And like I always tell Dale, for all my press conferences I do, all the public speaking, a reminder of the crisis our kids are in when we're not taking care of business for them. When we don't understand that, you know, when we don't have activities for our kids, when we don't have the type of, you know, supervision or guidance, they're going to take it on their own hands. You ain't going to like that result. And so I really work hard to have engagement with our kids. I have, you know, a, a robust community engagement team, and, you know, always looking for partners to ensure that we are being proactive in our interactions with our children, because if we don't be there to guide them, they're going to guide themselves. And we're not going to like that outcome. But another thing that happened because of 2020 George Floyd and all that was people not really wanting to be involved in the law enforcement profession, whether they're already in it. I know you mentioned attrition. Those are people that, you know, that were that were leaving because of retirements and, and, and other opportunities. But it's hard. And I know across the country, it's hard to recruit uh, people into this profession nowadays just because of the, the aura around the profession now. Uh, talk about kind of changing that that perspective and, and getting people interested in, in this profession again. So I just watched the recent Noble uh, CEO symposium that took place in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. We have to do a better job of telling our story. For those of us who are still in this profession, we need to share our why of what is keeping us here. And I say it all the time. It's not a job. I don't even like to call it a career. It's a calling. And if this is a calling for you, there is there is enough money to pay you to do this work. I still, after 26 years, still have a smile on my face. And I will say this, if this is not for you, God bless you. But please move on because you're harming those who are staying here or who are still holding the work that needs to be done because it doesn't go away. So we need to be able to look for others who feel at the very least, this is a career, because I don't want nobody want this as a job. A mm. job is somebody who clicks in and punches out and, you know, looks at a clock before the clock. If you're one of those individuals, please stay away, because we don't need no more individuals taking this position as a job. It's not a job. You're dealing with crisis. You're dealing with emergencies. You're dealing with your community. And people want to know, are you in it for the real right reasons? So if this is a career or better yet, even a calling, 
you know, we don't have the same numbers coming in when we did our recent recruiting, but we're still in several hundreds. And I will say this, you know, I'm part of one of the greatest fraternities in the world, Five Bit Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I'm sorry if anybody else don't got it, but, you know, we always got to believe in our fraternities are the greatest. But yeah. I still understand that being part of the organization when you volunteer, the work for many is done by few. Yes. And sometimes we have to be okay with that because if it means that you have a lot of numbers, but you have discipline issues, you have credibility and legitimacy issues because people out there doing their own thing, was it truly worth it? So if it means there's few of us, but we all are like-minded, we can move mountains, man. We can, yeah. we can do some things because yeah. we all know that we're all in it for the right reason. We're holding it down for the right reasons. So right. It's, it, again, I'm not but, bothered by this right now. But you know, Chief, uh, I'm not saying there's a shortage of, a shortage of people that are willing to help to have that same mindset. They just mm -hmm. see that now all the things uh, that their law enforcement are viewed as they can they can put that energy into working, you know, at a nonprofit or work, you know, at a fire department or yeah. you know, being a nurse. They see that now. So you know, I was thinking about law enforcement, but not from what I see. How can we change that? Well, I will say this much again. You know, I, it goes back to sharing our why, but. We also got to understand, you know, when we are recruiting, we also got to understand the retention. You know, there's a, there's a twofold. So recruiting still is about don't go into a profession that doesn't speak to you. You know, that's a, a, a very, uh, I mean, you spend your almost your entire adult life at your particular respective career or job. You know, don't have that regret that this is an opportunity you pass by because you're allowing someone else's story to be your story. What is your story? What is your feelings? And also that, you know, you can't help those who are still in the we got to talk to the team right now. It's like, you know, we all are recruiters. On down to our, you know, frontline officers. We all are out there recruiting, sharing our story, and also helping each other out to retain because we do got new recruits. Don't sit there and say, hey, kid, get out of here while you can. So guess what? I guess you're going to do all the work by yourself. You know, we need to be better to each other because we can get caught up in this crisis. We can get caught up in this sarcasm. You know, this is a noble profession. And that's not hokey to say that. It is. I have some of the, and you as an officer, Dale, you know you have some of those magical moments of being able to help those who are in the greatest need. And being able to walk with those stories and knowing that, man, that you can't make this up. So I think we have to be very intentional about sharing our stories, showing a passion, being intentional, meeting people where they're at, because there's so much gold out there that is not always the normal places you go. You know, the colleges, the military campuses, there's at the churches, at our, you know, um, uh, community uh, uh, places. I mean, there's so much untapped potential. Yep. But we need to be honest of being out there and being proactive, and being humble enough that you need sometimes to talk to those out there and say, how can I find other people like you, community stakeholder, who wants to be part of this profession? So we yeah. really got to do a better job of advertising, recruiting, and, and, and put on our best foot forward, and that we all have responsibility in this particular action. Absolutely. That's one thing I brought up in my particular agency a while back with one of my commanders, uh, you know, recruiting and actually these town halls that we do, uh, they do them, you know, like, local coffee shops in the downtown, you know, kind of fluent areas. 
And I was trying to tell him that's not where some of our people are going. You know, we need to go to some yes, of these your barbecue places, yes, barbershops sir. and things of that nature, you know, so we can, you know, have these one-on-ones with those people in those communities, in that side of town. Hit so. it off because that means that's diversity. Yes. You know, it's more than just black and brown. It's experiences. It's, it's religion. It's, it's, it's gender. You know, we need to understand that we need to brace it all. We need to embrace it all in regards to having what is reflective of our community. There was a big discussion that uh, I was at the FBI NEI, the National Executive Institute, and they're talking about tattoos and our community is tattooed. Mm-hmm. Our community has certain things and that's where you bring connectivity. I told him, I said, one of my best community liaison officers, a CLO, was a, was a guy from the neighborhood who had tattooed his neck and people read the book before they allowed him to speak. He, he's now a detective now. Phenomenal. We got to sit there and take ourselves and recalibrate our brain. Understand that when you talk about diversity, it's talking about being forward thinking. It's all about embracing. We are a service oriented profession. You got to look like those who you serve. You yes. got to be able to understand from those who you serve. You cannot be afraid about that. Our rigidity is going to hurt us. We're talking about the fight for trust and legitimacy right now. You don't find people trust that you can't identify with. Exactly. That's just exactly. almost, that's something that you, you're already working an obstacle right there. Yeah. So yeah. we really got to be embracive to a lot of different things that, you know, you might not be used to, but it doesn't make it wrong. Right. <laughs> just because yeah. you're uncomfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. And you kind of answered my question there. One, you being, you know, African-American chief, and uh, some of those statements you just said right now, kind of mirroring your department, mirroring your com- your community. Does do you yes, feel sir. it's it's kind of that way, or is it always a work in progress? It is a work in progress. Understanding that you know we as this profession don't like the way things are, but we don't like to change. So someone has to be the you know transformational, or someone needs to understand how to you know toe the line. You know, I was that. Like by uh, one of my old parts to say the contrarian view in the room in regards to the hearing and discussion about the tattoo policy. You know, our kids are being tattooed. Now we do have to have limits. You just can't put anything on yourself <laughs> and represent any old thing, but there's still opportunity there. And that's where we really can, again, expand our recruitment base. You talk about recruiting. Well, don't look for the the, the, the carbon copy widget, you know, yeah. as long as they could possess that emotional intelligence, possess that, you know, ability to communicate, because too often we do too much DAT and too many firearms. We need to have scenarios and let can see how do you do problem solving, critical thinking, you know, are you embracing those studies? Because Terry versus Ohio is not just some type of, you know, feel good stories from the 60s. This is part of who we are, foundational. We talk about reasonable suspicion. You know, there's a lot of things that I think we really got to recalibrate and turn upside down with a profession to really be that type of organization the community can look at and says, I see myself, I see the relationship here, I, I see us, I see that we are being reflective in all type of walks of life here, but they still have a level of competency. You still don't throw that out. Just because you have a different of, you know, 
um, experiences or, you know, uh, makeup, uh, whether it's, you know, some people have tattoos, some people don't, you know, some people, you know, certain type of gender, you know, doesn't mean that you take away the quality of what yeah. we expect our officers to be able to possess, you know, how to, how to de-escalate, how to talk to someone, how to enter, how to empathize. You always yes. got to sympathize, but how do you empathize, you know, slow it down. Yeah learn come on yep yep that's what we need now, to be intentional about right now now another another piece in that in that cog in that wheel is when you're doing recruiting um not not lowering standards but maybe you know the 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 background process or who you're looking for you know some of these things need to be tweaked a little bit depending on the, on the community that you're going into talk about Absolutely. that a little bit because I, I know there's some some hard standards that we you know all of our states have to abide by but then there's some right. some some leeway there too right yes and so some of the things that we have done and, and don't get me wrong we do not have the recruiting um, responsibility we help out our governing body the fine police commission is the main authoritative body in regards to recruitment testing whatnot but we do get part of the background we do and i am the chief where i can have a chief's objection once someone's uh, what we call phq comes through a personal history questionnaire but we also look at in regards to we used to have you know deal breakers you know if you had smoked marijuana uh, you are automatically excluded. Well, that's been modified where depending on the time frame, how far back, recency, it's now a point system. So it's basically making the process, the background, a little bit more flat and a little more fairer in regards to that we are embracing those who, you know, probably have some type of different lifestyle, but either have changed or that, you know, depend on the recency. So there is some modifications, you know, being now still being relatively new as a permanent we're still looking at more modifications, but the modifications should not take away, again, the qualifications of being able to do the job and also, you know, what we look for for that core characters that we need to make sure that we are recruiting for embracing because we know what works in our profession and that uh, we need to make sure that we are being intentional about that. So we do have still a lot of room. I know I've seen a lot of uh, editorials going on across the nation about, you know, some departments are taking away the uh, educational requirements or whatnot. Um, that's a slippery slope, and I and I yeah. get it. But uh, we need to understand that uh, you know, for us, for Walker Police Department, you might not have a degree when you come on a job, but we expect you to have a degree five years into the job. So those might be opportunities for some other agency to say we're not going to just take away the degree requirement, but maybe give people a little bit more time. And expectations but also support them in their journey to ensure that they can be successful so you're not missing out on good qualified candidates who have the potential of really being great contributions to your agencies wow so your department requires a, a degree for for a training for recruit no but we do require that you have 60 college credits within five yeah, years and that is something that is part of what we call the law enforcement standard board training uh, um, so that's a, a statewide uh, a requirement, um, but we don't uh, expect you to have a degree coming in, but at least what it was, what would be considered a two-year associate degree by your fifth year, or you'll be decertified. So at least they're giving you five years. There's reminders coming out from our training, and also that you know you get credits for being in the academy because that yeah. is you know again college level type of courses. So there are ways to do it. I, I don't believe again that we should be watering down anything 
but we should be a little bit more open to other suggestions, other ways to really make sure that you are able to keep all your qualified candidates in this pool. Yep. Yep. And, and education, all that does is give you a base of having a broad knowledge in, in certain things, because, you know, as a patrol officer, you're going to be dealing with a whole bunch of different things out there, you know, from, you know, help me, uh, you know, uh, turn off this water, you know, <laughs> In an apartment. Well, I will say yeah. I will say yeah. education helps with the critical thinking. You know, that, making that. sure you can ask the why or try to figure things out, not being afraid or daunted by a challenge coming before you. But also understand what people don't realize about the profession: there is a lot of reading and writing. And the more education you have, the more that comes a little more easier. Especially that your reports you rise or fall on that within court. You know, when you're writing citations, when you're writing these things that are going to have someone held accountable, those T's that need to be crossed, those I's that need to be dotted will be scrutinized, especially when you talk to that defense attorney who's going to take it, you know, rip it apart because you're not putting the effort in or have the credentials to make sure that you have the type of work product that we all can be proud of. Yes. And, and the easiest misdemeanor where you will be scrutinized the most, I won't say the most, but a lot is DUIs uh, or DWI. I don't know what you call it in I, Wisconsin. Yes, but, sir. Yeah, those Absolutely. those defense attorneys will tear you apart oh, on, on those yes. on those hearings. So and people who want to pay good money for the good ones that you definitely yeah. you know will see a lot more you know again uh, qualified lawyers who are you know really giving you the run for your money because you know they're getting paid a lot of money to make sure that their client gets the right type of representation. So DUIs, you're absolutely right. That's a very good point, Dale. Yep. 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 So now that you've gotten the interim removed from your, from your title, tell me, tell me about a couple of the challenges of your job now as chief of police. The biggest challenge I believe is that, you know, um, working with the resource that we have and that 2022 is still a challenging environment for, for our cities, especially our big urban cities. Uh, we still have high numbers of homicides. We still have a high number of reckless driving. We still have high number of, you know, unfortunate property crimes. So we're still dealing with some of these challenges of, you know, um, poor conflict resolution coupled with the accessibility of firearms. I'm telling you, I haven't people shooting each other over just the littlest things. Well, I always tell people, we always had people who had conflict. There's always been people who are going to get in arguments. It's how they're resolving it. Or if you even want to call resolve, yeah. that at the end of the day, that parking trouble, that accident turned violent. Right. And you used to think, well, usually it was a time frame, you know, maybe at eight o'clock at night, night. You got stuff in the morning, you got stuff in the afternoon. It's like, come mm -hmm. on. So we are dealing with some challenges of the accessibility of firearms, poor. Uh, conflict resolution. Our kids, I mean, even this earliest year, our largest school system had to go back to virtual because of some of the COVID-19 issues. So you know what that means. You have hundreds of thousands of kids who are supposed to be at home on their respective laptops or computers or whatever. You know, some of these kids unfortunately don't have the type of, you know, household where they now have the, the, the watchful guardian over there. Because some of these mothers and fathers got to go to work. You know, so we still have the chance with our youth and being out there, you know, still in vehicles. So it's been a challenge of being able to address it, reassure our community that we are on top of this, using our finite resources in the most effective way, which I always say it's all about the partnerships, baby. 
making sure that we're working together. You know, this is a Thanksgiving table, you know, potluck. I'm bringing the turkey. You're going to bring this, you know, the dressing. You're going to bring the corn because we're going to make a meal. <laughs> and that's how we can be, you know, proactive in regards to subject matter expertise. Uh, you do the preventive work. We have a great work relationship with OVP, Office of Violence Prevention, doing that prevention work. We work with our community stakeholders that are engaging these kids. You know, we got there, you know, putting the messaging out about driving safe. So really trying to, you know, be the tip of the spear of engaging our community of saying, we need your help being humble enough to say that, that we can't do this all on our own. And so that's one of the biggest challenges of being, you know, in this position is, you know, working out some of the past distrust, working out some of the past trauma of how we as a department treated our partners, if you even want to call that, because sometimes you mean disrespecting people, that's not partnership. You know, you're being, a, you know, a, a knucklehead. So it really is bringing that best foot forward. And I, I take that on seriously. Just the other day on Sunday, I'm doing, you know, community meetings on Sunday morning, you know, going around okay. because it's all part of we all have responsibility of changing the narrative. And if I don't show it, if I'm not out there doing it, all I'm just doing is talking. Then everybody gonna look at you like, oh, you ain't trying to align your words, your actions. He's just sitting there trying to be a politician on the TV. No, I put it out there. I post it. You know, we have a very proactive Twitter and Facebook and, you know, ensuring that the narrative's out there, that we are being intentional of meeting people where they're at. That part, that part. And on the flip of that, what's uh, one of the more rewarding parts of your job as chief now? You know, I've always been about community engagement. So again, being on a Sunday morning, engaging with the community, I eat that for breakfast, okay. lunch, and dinner. You okay. know, I have a beautiful wife who allows me to have this type of flexibility. Don't get me wrong, you know, making sure I'm still with the family. But uh, being out there, shaking hands, kissing babies, being around, you know, us and all our different, you know, ways of how we uh, live and work and play in our community, that that's just, it, it's, I tell you, it's, I, I can't get enough of it. And so basically it's one of those things of being at the helm now and making it one of my platforms, a signature part of my platform of community engagement, which really I say community engagement is having relationships with all parts of our community. We have the business community, law enforcement community. We have the you know stakeholder community. There's a lot of communities out there. It's not just we talking to residents. Don't get me wrong. That is our wheelhouse, but there's so many communities. We don't treat our business community right sometimes. Our law enforcement community, especially, we used to be called the state of Milwaukee. Not the city of Milwaukee, the state of Milwaukee, because that's how we had as an attitude wow. to our partners, to our other smaller suburban departments. The smaller suburban departments are only small in size, but they are big in knowledge, experience. And I say this much, I respect them like any other chief, any other law enforcement partner out there because we're all in this together. Mm. And I would not tolerate anyone on my team who disrespects our partners out there. Absolutely. You hear it. It's been taped. I've been said this many times. I have no tolerance for that because at the end of the day, we all are part of this. This is a team effort. No matter yes. who and where you come from, as long as you want to be part of the team, you got that proactive, positive, being part of the solutions. Come on. Open the doors. Mm. Community activists, they're all part of the family, baby. All Yes. Of them. All right. I all sit right. down, talk with them on a regular basis. 
not afraid of those conversations. And sometimes you got to have that ear to keeping it real that people saying, hey, y'all wasn't right about that. Or what that wasn't right. And being ready to receive that and say, okay, what can I do better? Because we all can always improve. That part. All right, Chief. I love the, I love the discussion with you. This is uh, really on point, really, really uh, poignant right now with all the, the, the stuff going on in 2022. It's still happening from 2020, so I yes, really sir. appreciate that. But uh, I appreciate you're not done. you, brother. Yeah, you're not done. Like I told you, we're going to do a little uh, Milwaukee trivia real quick. So let me get okay. this game set for you. Uh-oh. This is, uh, yeah, this is. Black or blue? Black or blue? Black or oh, blue? Oh, come on now. You took some blue. black sheep? Black or blue? Black or blue? <laughs> come on. Uh, Chief knows his black sheep. Okay, okay. This game is back in the day, yeah, my brother. For real, for real, for real, for real. <laughs> this is black or blue, but your game today, Chief, is called uh, Walk in Our Shoes. Walk uh-oh, in uh-oh. Our Shoes. Oh, I bet that okay, famous myself. Now, famous people from Milwaukee. I'm sure you you know a few coming up in your day here in Milwaukee. I'm just going to give you a person. You tell me, are they born and or raised in Milwaukee or not? That's simple. Okay, uh oh. All right. All right, so okay. here's your first one. Here's your first one. Gene Wilder. Born in Milwaukee. Yes, that is true. He is from Milwaukee. Okay, all right, so off to a good start. How about your next one here? How about Al Jarreau? Come on, now you got to give me something harder than that. Born in Milwaukee. Born in Milwaukee, yep. All right, I'm not trying to get you too hard, but hey, maybe, maybe we'll see this here. How about uh, Diana Ross? Man, that's a hard one because this is here, Detroit. So she's not born in Milwaukee, but uh, you know what was my second choice? He said born or at least just, raised. Just born or raised in Milwaukee oh, no, no, or no, not? No, 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 no. She's Detroit. That's Detroit. She's, that's what yeah, she is. Detroit. Yes, not yes. from Milwaukee. Oh yes, not from Milwaukee. How about uh, Oprah? Ooh. So she's not born in Milwaukee, but she has roots in Milwaukee. I know that she was born in Mississippi, so I will say no, but uh, her mother, uh, God rest her soul, had passed away, but uh, we just live here. I'm gonna give that to you because yes, she was there from elementary school up until early high school. Okay. And her mom still lives there. Yeah, and then she went to go live with, she went to go live with her dad in Mississippi or something like that. Yes, okay, all right. Thank you, sir. Yes, how about uh, Kanye? Kanye West? No. He is not. <laughs> That's he Chicago, right? Yes, definitely Chicago. Nothing to, to do with South Milwaukee. Of us. Yep. How about uh, Eric Benet? Famously married Born to. Born in Milwaukee with the high school yeah. king. Okay, yes. yes Famously yes, married yes. to Holly Berry. <laughs> yes, sir. He is yes, from sir. Milwaukee. Yeah. Look at you, Dale. Look at you, man. I tell All you. Right, how about uh, Aaron Rodgers? Plays no, he does not. Yeah, no, he, nah. no. He's, from, he's from Chico out here in the in the Bay, Northern California. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All yes, right. he is a Californian. Yes. How about this next one, Colin? Colin Kaepernick. Oh wow! So he really raised near Milwaukee because I believe he's like Kenosha or something like that. But I'll still say, for the purpose of a worldwide audience, he's from Milwaukee. Yes, we will say yes. <laughs> the Milwaukee metropolitan area. There we go. There. there we go. Yes, there we, there we go. go. There we go. About uh, Liberace. Oh, uh, yes, he's from Milwaukee. He is from Milwaukee. I'm sure yes, everybody sir. in Milwaukee yes, knows that. <laughs> uh, Famous piano how about, man. Uh, how about Miami Heat uh, guard uh, Tyler Hero? So he's from Wisconsin. 
I know that uh, he uh, went to Whitnall, but uh, Milwaukee area, so Milwaukee. Yes. Got that right. And your last one here, also Miami Heat fame, Dwayne Wade. He went to Marquette, but he's born in Chicago. That is correct. He is not from Milwaukee. Wow, you, you aced that one, so we're going to call you winner. Man, Chief killed that. You killed that. <laughs> you killed that. You know your people from Milwaukee. All right. Uh, thank All right. you, sir. Thank you. Yes, indeed. All right. Before I get you out of here, how about some words of wisdom, uh, some parting shots on the way out here? I always say that, you know, public safety is a team activity. And if you cannot answer what you're doing for your own part, respectively, in regards to how we are improving our community safety, how we are affecting our kids in a positive manner, then you are not being part of the solution. And you got to look at yourself and say, what am I then? Am I part of the problem or can I be part of the solution? The police department needs everyone's help. And I believe it's important for us to all do our respective role in regards to impacting public safety. So I appreciate you, Dale. Appreciate this platform. Appreciate being a part of this conversation. We can never have enough of this. The work that you do is so important in regards to shedding light in a personal level of us respectively. I honor you, brother. God bless you, brother. Thank As you. I always say, stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. I really appreciate you. Uh, you be safe out there and uh, wish you continued success out there in Milwaukee. Yes, sir. All right. Take well, care. I'll talk to you soon, Chief. Absolutely. All right. Peace. All right, all right, all right. What did you guys think of that conversation right there? That was phenomenal. I want to thank Milwaukee Police Chief Jeffrey Norman for coming on and making this episode straight fire. I appreciate you, Chief, and wish you continued success in everything you do. You guys out there got some value out of this episode. Make sure you click that like button right here on my YouTube channel. I rated five stars on your favorite podcast platform. I'll be back in a couple weeks with another banging episode just like this one. But till then, you already know, stay black in blue. I'll holla at you. Deuces. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.